Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen today. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you. If you have any questions about today's message, please contact us. We're here to help. Now sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Good morning. Have you had a good Christmas time with your family? I want you to do something before we jump in the message this morning uh, in light of, uh, you know, a lot of people facing uh, the COVID and other things in, in their lives. Uh, been a weird year, 2020. But I want us to especially uh, pray for the family of uh, Don Engel. Most of you may have uh, heard about Don's passing. Don pastored uh, over at Dudley Shoals for, I think, 38, 39 years, maybe more than that. And then he kind of retired. And uh, and then he went to uh, work at Union Grove Baptist Church serving there. And he has been really, really faithful all those years. Uh, I've been around a lot of pastors over the years myself, and I've said this online, I'll say it to you here. I, I think Don Engel, as much as anybody I know had ever met, uh, had a uh, pastor's heart for people. Uh, so I know his family's heard him. I know those two congregations I mentioned heard him. Uh, we've got the uh, privilege to have Adam Triplett and his family with us today. He's Daryl's son. Uh, some of you remember he came in and preached for us before. Uh, he's not doing the message. I tried to get him to, but, uh, but I asked him if he would please come and, and lead us in this prayer. And let's pray uh, for Don, and, and let's pray for Union Grove, and, and pray for Dudley Shoals uh, Church and, and this loss that they've had. Yeah. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we do look to you as the one that we can trust uh, in days of uncertainty and chaos, days of darkness, that God, you are good and you are right and you are faithful to call your people forth, that you call us from death to life, God. And so, Lord, we come before you only because of your work and only because of what you've done. We boldly approach the throne. It is a throne of grace because of Christ, Lord. God, we do pray, Lord, we pray uh, for our brothers and sisters. Uh, Lord, I pray for, for gospel preaching churches all over this county. Lord, I thank you for your faithful witness here in this place for, for many, many years, Lord. But especially this morning, God, we want to pray for two of these congregations. We pray for the saints, our brothers and sisters at Dudley Shoals Baptist Church and at Union Grove Baptist Church. Uh, Lord, we pray and ask, God, that you would bring them a measure of comfort and peace, uh, even in the loss of their dear brother and pastor. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Don's faithful years of ministry, how he cared for, shepherded, and how he faithfully taught your word uh, to the people that you entrusted to him, God. Lord, we thank you that he was a faithful under-shepherd, follower of Christ. And so, God, we do pray We pray for his family, uh, Lord, that you would give them comfort and peace, especially during these days, God. Uh, Lord, that you would sustain them, that your spirit would be at work in them and among them, Lord. And the same for these two congregations as they walk through this loss. Uh, Lord, we thank you, uh, God, that, that Pastor Don left a legacy, Lord, 
that God, that there are many who are experiencing grief and sadness, not just because some man has died, but, but someone who meant much to them has died. Lord, we thank you that there are many saints. Lord, that there are brothers and sisters in Christ that we now have because of this man's ministry, Lord. And God, we pray that his legacy would continue, Lord. God, we pray, Lord, that as we see faithful men expound your word, preach your word, and shepherd your people, God, that we would take it up ourselves, Lord, in loving those around us well. God, we do pray in the days ahead that you would continue to equip your people here in this place for the work of the ministry that you've called them to. We ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 56 this morning. Uh, to those of you that are watching online, uh, we had technical difficulty today, so the screen behind me is not working. So I want to encourage you, if you're watching at home, just to pull your Bible out and turn to Psalm 56. It's a rather simple outline uh, that I think on the three main points we're going to look at that you can follow uh, along with us. But um, in this series on trust, uh, we focused upon trust in a lot of different ways. Today, we're talking about trust instead of fear. I think a lot of people, because of the way 2020 has been working out, uh, and then even the fear of 2021, wondering what that's going to be like, uh, some people are being a little bit apprehensive and uh, filled with fear in their lives. Uh, I've heard, as I alluded to last week, a lot of people saying, I can't wait till 2020 is going to be over with. Well, I understand that sentiment, but 2021 might be worse. And the truth is, guys, we need to trust in God no matter whether it's a good year or bad year. Amen. Whether good times or bad times, whatever, we need to be putting our trust in uh, God. And as we look at uh, Psalm 56, the heading in most Bibles says this, In God I trust. In God I trust. Our money in America says, In God we trust. We used to act like it. We don't act much like it anymore. I think we need to repent and get back to that. But here David is writing, and he's saying, In God I'm going to trust. Uh, there's also an additional head in there, most Bibles, that will let us know the context of why David is writing. It was a time when he was fleeing from Saul, and he had gone into the Philistine city of Gath, and they had more or less kind of taken him captive. And I'll give you a little bit more background to that in, in just a moment. There's another phrase there in the heading that uh, says the dove on far off terebinths. And you may wonder, what in the world is a far-off terebinth? What does he mean by that? Well, most Bible scholars say that what David was literally saying is this, that he felt like he was a lone dove off in exile, like off in a distant tree somewhere is what he was saying. He's very discouraged, and he's crying out to God to help him. He's putting his trust in God to help him. Uh, stand with me in honor of God's Word as we read through the psalm, and then I'm going to give you like three main things um, that I think we need to do that we see David do in, in, in this psalm. Uh, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attack oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps 
as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape. In other words, God, are you going to let them get away with this? In wrath, cast down the peoples. Now, that's a kind way, when you look at the meaning of that in Hebrew, that's a kind way of David Kelly saying, God, why don't you just cast them into hell, cast them into the lower regions uh, because of the way they've been treating him. And then he goes on and he says, Oh God, you have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day that I call. This I know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Thank you. You can be seated. David was in an hour of deep despair and doubt. I said a moment ago, it was a time that Saul was seeking to kill him. The reason Saul was seeking to kill him was this. God had already let Saul know that the kingdom was going to be taken from him. And then there's this young guy that had been playing music to Saul, been trying to minister to Saul and calm Saul's nerves down, who winds up going down into the valley that Saul wouldn't go to and the armies wouldn't go to to face a Philistine giant by the name of Goliath. And when he goes down into this valley... He lets the giant know that God is on their side, that God is with him. And this giant was standing there intimidating with a giant sword. And David runs toward him, and he takes a slingshot, and he throws it, and it sinks up in the head of the giant, and the giant falls dead. Not because of David's expertise, but because God was on his side. Now, since this has happened, some of the women were singing a song that went more or less like this. I'm not going to sing it to you, but here's the, the thought of the song. Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. And Saul became jealous and did not like it, and he thought, I, I better do away with this upstart before he does take the kingdom from me. So he's hunting him down. David, as he is fleeing goes to the Philistine city of Gath, which, by the way, the Philistines were enemies, as you ought to know, of the Jewish people of David and, and Israel. And as he goes there, he's trying to hide out among them. He goes all alone. He doesn't have his mighty army with him yet, his mighty men with him. He's there all alone trying to hide out from Saul. And while he's there, he doesn't get a very good welcoming party. Here's why. Gath was the hometown of guess who? Goliath. <laughs> so here comes David, the one that killed the hometown hero, the one that killed the giant, the one that killed their champion, coming fleeing to live inside the city of Gath. So they have reason to be apprehensive. Now we're also told, if you read all the background of this, as David was getting ready to flee, he went by the temple and he talked to the priest or by the tabernacle and he talked to the priest and he said is there any sword or anything here and the priest tells him the only one we have here is the one that belonged to Goliath that you cut his head off with and David says well give that one to me because there's none like it you know it's like he had this huge sword now we don't know this but we don't know he didn't do it either David may have showed up and see the Gath carrying Goliath's sword <laughs> either way guys they're upset they dislike David and they're looking for any occasion they can to try and bring him down, to try and destroy him. And it's with that background that we find David having full reason for fear 
crying out to God. And more or less, through what David says, we need to understand this. It's okay to be afraid sometimes. We, God gave us a capacity to fear. But we don't need to allow our fears to control us. We don't need our fears to paralyze us. And that's what David is calling out. And he, he's saying, God, I'm going to trust you in my fear. So instead of allowing your fears that you may well have because of 2020 or COVID or an election or finances or whatever else might be taking place, the economy, things you've been through this year, or being apprehensive about the coming year, instead of allowing that to control you or paralyze you, we need to be trusting in God instead of allowing fears to control us. So I want you to notice three things I think we can find that David does in this psalm that we need to do. We need to trust God to start with for protection. We need to trust God for protection. That's found in verse 1 through 4. Trusting God for protection basically is a cry for grace. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that. Look at how David begins this psalm. Be gracious to me, O God. Now, he's going to cry out for God's help. He's going to say, God, I'm putting my trust in you. God, I'm in these circumstances. All these people are after me. But he starts out by saying, be gracious to me, O God. And the word he uses in the Hebrew for gracious it is a word that means for a superior to stoop down to an inferior in order to bestow favor upon them. That's a picture of what David is asking for. David is saying, God, I don't deserve it, but God, I want you to stoop low and help me. God, I want you to reach down where I am. I don't deserve for you to do it. That's why I'm asking for your protection and me doing so is a cry of grace because I don't deserve your protection. God, the same thing is true of us. I, I can't cry out to God and say, God, hey, this is Lynn Parsons here. And because it's Lynn Parsons, you have to protect me. I'm not worthy of his protection. You're not worthy of his protection, and yet it's an act of grace. In grace, we ought to recognize, God, yes, we need your protection. God, I can't ask it based on my own merit, but God, I'm asking in grace for you to protect me. God, just like we're saved by grace, by trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we need to trust in God to protect us. And it's a cry out that's a cry for God's grace because you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And yet that's what David is doing. He's, he's crying out for God's protection. Guys, when we are afraid, fear ought to do this. Fear should cause us to trust God for protection. It ought to motivate us. It ought to really cause us to trust God for, for protection. Next slide, please. Look at the second part of verse 1 and uh, verse 2. For, for man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. And then he says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. So David's more or less just stating before God. It's not that God didn't already know it, but David's pouring his heart out before God and he's saying, God, this is what's happening right now. God, I, I feel like people are just wanting to trample me down. They're, they're wanting to inhale me is what the word literally means. It's like they want to destroy him to trample him down and then, and then just kind of inhale him in and just eat him up and do away with David. He, he's saying, God, the, these enemies, these people that are hostile opponents of mine here in Gath, all day long, the whole time is what he's saying, all day long, they attack me. They're, they, they're trying to consume me. They're trying to feed upon me. 
Now, guys, as I said earlier, fear is a natural response when facing threat and circumstances. If you had someone trying to hunt you down to kill you, Saul, that you thought you could trust to start with, is trying to hunt you down. Now you fled to a foreign city, and everyone in that city is kind of looking at you with suspicious, and they're watching everything you do, and they're trying to find a reason to bring you down. Then you might have some fear in your life. Maybe a. Think about it in this fashion. If you all of a sudden were to be dropped in a radical Islamic city and you're the only believer there, you'd be a little bit scared, wouldn't you? Just a little bit. So that's kind of the picture of, of David where he is. Everyone is out to get him. Because it's, it's a natural thing to be afraid, but David is going to show us here in this psalm, we don't need to be stuck in our fear. We don't need to be paralyzed in our fear because David goes on and he says, even though all this stuff is happening, all this negative thing around me is taking place, he said, when I'm afraid in the day, in other words, it will happen in the day that I'm afraid, when I am caused to be afraid, I put my trust in you. Same word for trust we've seen several times in the Hebrew in this series. He's saying, God, I'm going to run to you for my refuge. I'm going to hide to you. I'm going to hurry to you. I'm going to have my confidence in you. God, in this day that that I'm facing all these difficulties, I'm going to run to you for my refuge. And guys, learning to trust in God when we are afraid ought to do this for us. Trusting God for protection should calm our fears. You can't help having fears, probably. Natural reactions sometimes. But our faith, our trust in God ought to calm those fears. Look what he says in verse 4. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? He's saying, God, you're the supreme God. You're the eternal God. You're, you're the one that's in control. And he's saying, God, I, your word, your very promise, your word is something that I praise. The, the word that's used there for praise in the Hebrew means to be clear about or, or to, to shine forth. You know, be sure that people understand how you feel about God's word and God's promises. It means to make a show. Or, or to boast, or to hurry for refuge, or to trust, or, or have full confidence in it. It means to rave and to even to celebrate. Guys, that's the way we ought to be in our lives. When we're facing difficulties like 2020, or whatever it is you may be going through, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you have faith in God, here's what you ought to do. You ought to say, I trust this. I'm going to rely upon this. I, God, I'm going to celebrate your word. And guys, we, we don't need just to keep it to ourselves. As we celebrate God's word, as we praise God's word, we need to make a boast of it. We need to rave about it. We need to celebrate it because other people out there need to know how much this means to us and how much we can rely upon it and, and thus how much they can rely upon it also. He's saying, God, I'm going to trust in you, and my trusting in you, me depending upon your word, I'm going to praise your word, and God, I'm I'm placing my trust in you, and because of that, I'm not going to be controlled by my fears. He's saying, what can flesh do to me anyway? He's already said, God is my refuge. He said, God, I'm going to flee to you like my refuge. Will you think about it in these terms? If God is your refuge, that's like a fortress, isn't it? If God is your refuge, imagine if we've had a lot of negative stuff. I mean, right? In 2020, a lot, a lot of things we're still concerned about. 
A lot of things going on. We don't know what might work out. But, but view yourself as though you're that person in an enemy city, and, and it's like everyone is out to get you. But if God is your fortress, and you know you're in a perfect fortress that no one can penetrate, why do you have to be afraid? Why do you have to fear? That's the way we need to view our relationship with God. No matter what's going on in our world, we have Him as our refuge. We, we have Him and His Word and His promises, a place that we can flee to, so we don't need to allow our, our fears to control us. In, in David's instant, here's, I, I think, maybe what David is meaning when he says, in your Word, I'm going to trust, and, and I'm not going to be afraid. God had told David, you're going to be king. But David was not king yet. Saul was king. You understand where I'm going? If God had promised him, David, one day you're going to be king and David's not king yet, you know what that means? That means David is invincible until God keeps his promise. Until God keeps his word. And that's the way David is viewing it. Guys, for us, we need to say God is our refuge. What does it matter what men can do to us? I, I, I'll be honest with you, when I found out on Christmas Eve that Don had passed away because I'd hoped he'd get better and be able to continue to minister here, my, my initial reaction was be, being really sad for his family and those two congregations and even a little bit for myself because every time I'd been around Don, all the years I'd been in Caldwell County, he always treated me with kindness and dignity. You, you don't always get that from everybody. And so I'm kind of thinking, well, I'm going to miss that myself and being around him. That was kind of my initial thought. But then I thought this, <laughs> the great promise that he had received, amen? Because on Christmas Eve, not only was he restored to his darling wife, he's getting to see his Savior who died on the cross for him face to face. So instead of being controlled by our, our fears, we, we need to Understand God's our refuge, and what can men do to us? Or what can COVID do to us except maybe send us to see Jesus all the faster? Second thing I see in this passage of Scripture that we ought to do that I find David doing here is this. We ought to trust in God not just for protection. We need to trust in God for direction, for direction. We need to trust in God for direction when we're going through any time, but really especially in dangerous times. That's where David was. That's what he was facing. David kind of rehearses more about his situation before God. He, he said in verse 5 and in 6, all day long they injure my cause. He, he's there, the phrase injure my cause, really he's saying they're fabricating stuff. They're, they're, they're fashioning uh, things about me. They're lying about me. He said, all their thoughts are against me for evil. In other words, it's like no one has any good thoughts toward me. Everyone's thinking evil toward me. They're plotting evil toward me. And he says, they're stirring up strife. They lurk. They, they watch my steps. And the phrase for watch my steps is a phrase that's used in the Old Testament quite often. It means to hedge about with thorns. So David is saying it's like these Philistines have, have hedged him about with thorns and they're surrounding him and they're watching everything that he's doing. They're hoping they can find a cause against him. They're hoping they can find an occasion against him. As they have waited for my life. 
Do you ever feel like David was feeling here? I mean, to kind of paraphrase that, son, have you ever felt like everybody's out to get you? Huh? Have you? You know? I know Adam has. He's in the ministry. <laughs> but uh, have you ever, honestly, you get in a situation where just things are negative, things are bad, and you think everybody's out to get you? Or maybe he, he said all they do is stir up strife. It's real easy for us to look at everything that's happened in 2020 and understand as we look at our world and all that's taking place, it's like everywhere you look, you see strife, isn't it? You see friction and strife wherever you look right now in, in our world, and you, you can feel like that, like David was feeling. But there's a little side lesson here that I think might give us the key is why David was saying they're, they're watching my steps. You see, David wanted to glorify God. And now he's in a foreign city, an enemy city with the Philistines, and David knows they're watching him like night and day. And, and he's saying, God, they're watching my steps. And I think in with that and with everything else that, that David is saying, he's also kind of saying this, God, help me not to slip. God, help me not to fall. And here's our application to that in this day and time. Guys, we're living, whether we like it or not, in enemy territory. This isn't our home. The Bible says in First Peter, we're just sojourners. We're just passing through. This, this isn't our home. I've got news for you. People are watching you. Whether you realize it or not, they're watching you. And if you say you're a believer, a lot of them are watching you for this reason. They're watching you hoping they can find a little clink in your armor. They're watching you hoping they can find some fault in you. Because if they can, that frees them up to kind of say, well, see there, they're hypocrites. They're just like everybody else. David knew there was this enemy that was watching him, and David wanted to glorify God. And he said, God, they're watching my steps. And in with it, I think that's a plea for God to help him, for God to give him direction. And, and guys, we need to ask that same prayer in our lives. And all the negative stuff that's going on in our world, People need to see you trust in God above everything else right now. Here's why. When everything's going good in our world and good in your life and you're trusting God, that doesn't impress them whatsoever. <laughs> but when you're in enemy territory and everything seems to be against you and you're trusting God and you're wanting to make the right steps, and then before, before those people, guess what? As you make the right steps, as you show you have trust in God, faith in God during that time, that's what gets people's attention. When everything is negative and everything is bad, the way David felt like his life was here, and yet he's, he's asking God to give him protection. The Bible tells us, if you back up and read more about this time when he was there in Gath, David became so concerned about the scrutiny of those Philistines as they were watching him that he decided to do this. I mean, I, I've never seen any place in the Bible where God told him to do it. Maybe I've missed it. Maybe you can correct me later and everything. But uh, David decides to act like he's a madman, to act like he's insane. And he's letting spit run down his beard and everything else because he, he kind of thinks, well, hey, if I look like I'm insane, I won't be much of a threat to them, and they'll leave me alone. So he changes his behavior hoping the enemy would leave him alone. I don't see anywhere in the Bible God told him to do it. 
Now, David was a good general later on, and David was pretty sly and, you know, pretty smart. And David probably thought to himself, if I act like I'm crazy, they'll leave me alone. <laughs> and they even took him to the king of the Philistines, and he was acting like he was crazy. And the king said, hey, I've got enough crazy people around me. I don't need him here, too. Get, get him out of here. But what I want you to key in on that part of the story is this. I don't think God told him to change his behavior. I think David just did that hoping they would leave him alone. Maybe there's a lesson there, a hidden lesson for us, that when the heat is turned up on our lives and when the enemy seems to be assaulting us and everyone's watching us from every side and everything seems to be negative, instead of us changing our behavior where the enemy will maybe leave us alone, maybe we ought to do the opposite. Maybe David, instead of changing his behavior when he went into Gath, maybe he should have gone in with this attitude. <laughs> I'm the one that killed the giant. I'm the one that God used in that valley when I had faith in God to kill your champion. <laughs> so instead of me changing my behavior to where you'll leave me alone, I want you to understand something. The same God that helped me when I was down there facing your champion is the same God that will help me now. So I'm not changing my behavior. Instead, I'm going to act like I did there in the valley that God is on my side and God is for me, and I don't care what you guys are doing and what you're thinking. That's a little bit radical in our day and time because you know what a lot of Christians do? Oh, the world's against me. The enemy's against me. I need to change my behavior. Instead of remembering who we are. Instead of remembering what he has done for us. And live in the faith that he will continue to do what he's done for us. We need to ask for God's direction in dangerous times, but we need to ask for God's direction with this awareness that God is observing us. Direction with God's observation. In other words, guys, what David says here is basically going to be this. God, I'm going through all this negative stuff, but you know about it. Look, look at what he says. For their crime will they escape in wrath? Cast down the people's oh God. God's saying, well, you know, pay them back, and God would at some point. But notice what he says in verse 8. You have kept count of my tossings. The phrase kept count means God's writing it all down. God's tallying it up. God's keeping a record. David is saying, God, everything that I've been through, you know about it. You see it. God, you're paying attention. You care that much for me that you're paying attention. And then he said, put my tears in your bottle. God was so intimately concerned about David that he was seeing the tears fall, every tear that would fall out of his eyes. And he said, are they not in your book? God, you're recording my tears, is what David said. That shows a lot of intimate care, doesn't it, and concern that God had for David, for David to say, God, you know everything that I've been tossed around. You know everything I'm going through in my exile. God, you've seen all of my tears. You record all my tears. That's how much David felt like God cared for him. And guys, he sees your tears. If, if Jesus says there's not a hair that falls from our head that God doesn't know about it, don't you think he's watching our tears? 
Don't you think he understands everything that we're going through and God knows? You see, you can boil everything really that David is saying down to this in, in those verses. God knows. God knows. Whatever you're going through, God knows. He's always known about it. There's never anything that you're going to face, no matter how small or how traumatic it might be. There's never anything you'll ever face in your life that God did not know about it. God knows. And God cares. And God is watching your tears. The neat thing about that, our tears, Revelation says one day he's going to wipe them all away. Amen? He'll just eradicate them, eradicate the memory of it even, I think, one day. He says, I'm going to put my trust in you. God, I know you're watching. God, I know you see everything that I've gone through. God, you're putting my tears in your bottle. You've recorded them down in your book. And when I call out upon you, you can make my enemies retreat and turn back. And then he says this, this I know that God is, what does it say? For me. Now, David could say that because he was God's anointed. He knew that God was for him. But guys, we can say that also. God being for you. Does that remind you of anything out of mm, Romans chapter 8? What then shall we say in response to this? All that negative list, all the junk that was listed there in Romans 8 before we get to this verse. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? What does it matter who's against you if you know God is for you? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. Guys, here's a simple interpretation of that. If God loves you enough to put his son on the cross for your sins, if God is that concerned about you to allow his son to suffer in your place and pay for all of your sins, if God loved you that much that he did not spare his own son, he's going to take care of the rest of the junk. Amen? How will he not, along with him, graciously give us all things? When you're facing negative things and negative circumstances and everything looks so bad in our world, you need to remember this, that God is for you. That God is for you. One last thing. We need to trust in God for protection. We need to trust in God for direction. God help us to order our steps. People are watching. We also need to trust in God through celebration. In other words, I'm, I'm trying to say there, we ought to celebrate what God has done for us. When, when you look at verse 10 and 13, it appears to me that David is celebrating God doing what he had asked God to do. He had asked God graciously, said, God, I'm, I'm asking you graciously, please protect me because of all that's going on in my life. He was asking for God's direction. And now it seemed like to me that God had kept his promise. And David is celebrating what God had done for him. Look at verse 10 through 13. Some of it's repetition of what we read earlier, but it says, In God, whose word I praise, 
in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. In other words, here's what I think is taking place. David had probably prayed and told God, God, if you get me out of this, here's what I'll do. (laughs) Saul's after me. I'm in this enemy city. It looked like all of them after me. God, if you'll get me out of this, I'm making some vows to you. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. God, I'm going to thank you and give offerings to you for what you've done. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling. In other words, God, you protected me and you gave me direction that I may walk before God in the light of life. Let me quickly give you four things there. One of them we've already kind of talked about. We need to trust and celebrate God's Word. That's what he says again. We need to trust in God's Word, trust in God's promises. Celebrate them. Foolishly rave about them. Shine forth God's promises for all to see. But he changes up the way he says it here. He says, in God, whose Word I trust, in the Lord whose word I trust. The second time when he says the Lord, he uses the word Jehovah, the name Jehovah. And Jehovah is the covenant name of God or the name of the covenant keeping God. So what David is really doing this, he's saying, you're the God that keeps his promises. And because you're the God that keeps his promises, I'm going to celebrate your promises. I'm going to celebrate your word. I'm going to trust in your word and celebrate your word. Second thing I want you to see in those last three verses is this. We need to trust in God and overcome fear instead of allowing fear to paralyze us, like I said earlier. We need to trust in God and overcome fear. Second time, he says, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. Go back to God being your refuge. Why fear? What does it matter what anyone else can do to you? What can man do to you? Because God is your refuge and you're you're trusting in Him. Allow that trust in God to overcome your fear. Earlier in verse 3, David said, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Now David writes, In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. Why? Because God's His refuge. Third thing I want you to see in those three verses is this. We need to trust in God and worship Him. No matter the negative circumstances, no matter what's going on in our lives, we need to trust in God and worship Him. Verse 12 says, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render those thank offerings to you. He's saying, God, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to do what I told you I'm going to do. And God, you've delivered my soul from death and my feet from falling. So God, I'm going to give you a thanksgiving. God, I'm going to worship you. You know what I'm afraid we have tendencies to do in our human lives? When we're in circumstances like David was here, we'll pray and we'll make promises and vows and we'll say, God, if you'll get me out of this, God, if you'll do, if you'll get me out of this, I'll do this, 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 and that. And then God gets us out of us and we go on about our merry way like we got ourselves out of it. Instead of us really taking time to worship and honor and praise Him. Last thing I want you to see there is this. We need to trust in God and serve Him. 
I read the first part of verse 13. Let me read all verse 13 together. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling. Catch the last part of verse 13. That I may walk before God in the light of life. They were saying, God, you, you did it for me. God, you delivered me. God, God, you saved my life. God, you kept my feet from falling. And, and God, because you've done that, God, here's what I want to do. Here's what I need to do. I want to live before you in the light of life. In other words, David is saying, God, because you did this for me, I want to live in your light. I want to walk in your light. I want to honor you. I want to serve you. You did this for me that I can walk before you. And guys, the application for us is this. What God had done for David is deliver him from Saul that was trying to hunt him down and deliver him from the Philistines and Gath. God has delivered us from something much, much worse. Because we were destined for eternal separation from God in a place called hell of eternal punishment forever and ever and ever. And God, through Christ, has delivered us. And since God has delivered our lives, our souls, our eternity, should not we with David say, God, you've done that so I can walk before you? So I can live before you in the light of life. And guys, it's not just that we're walking before God. We're walking before others in life that need to see us serving God and serving them and loving them and reaching out to them in spite of what's taking place in our world. Instead of giving up. <laughs> when God answers, we need to answer back to Him. When God delivers us as he has if you know christ as your savior if you don't know christ as your savior he will deliver you if you'll trust in him this morning if you'll admit to him god i can't save myself god i admit i'm screwed up i'm messed up i admit i'm a sinner i've tried and i can't straighten out my own life well guess what he can straighten it out for you jesus died on the cross for you that you could by faith be part of god's family not so you can go off walking your own way but you you can walk before him in the light of life. And if you don't know him, why not trust him today? If you do know him, can I ask you a question? Are you walking before him in the light? Are you serving him in response to the fact that he's delivered you? That he's directed you? Are, are you living your life before him as you should? Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we allow the circumstances of our world and circumstances of our life to so impact us and assail us that we, that we act like we don't have hope. Lord, this story about David's life that you preserved for us to learn from in your word, and he was facing all of these negative circumstances, and yet he put his trust in you. He admitted that he had fear, and yet he said, I'm going to trust in you. God, help us to learn from that. Help us in spite of 2020 or COVID or 
elections or whatever's taking place in our world, God, help us to trust in you and, and not be paralyzed by our fear. Lord, if there's someone that's here this morning or someone watching online that's never trusted in you, Father, I pray you help them to do that today. God, I pray you'd help us to cry out and ask you to be our protection no matter what's going on. God, I pray we'll cry out and ask you to be our direction, to direct us and guide our footsteps and keep our feet from falling. And then God, help us to celebrate what you do for us when you answer. Help us to celebrate it by living for you, by living before you in your light, living the life that you want us to live. For it's in Christ's name I pray. You know what I think would happen while I was talking about serving God no matter what's going on around us? You know what I think would happen if we would really get busy in spite of COVID, in spite of 2020, in spite of elections, and in spite of the economy or whatever else you may be worried about, in spite of an unsure year 2021 coming, not knowing what may be coming down the pike? Instead of us just being paralyzed by our fear, if we get busy serving Him because of what He's done for us, you know what I think we'd find out? We wouldn't have time to sit around worry. We'd get busy serving Him, get busy serving others, get busy sharing the gospel. I wouldn't have time to sit around and fret and worry about what in the world's taking place in my life or what's going to take place because I would be doing what He's called me to do. You don't know Christ as your Savior this morning. Why not trust in Him today? If you do know Him, but you have to admit you've been allowing fear to paralyze you, and you've been stuck in your fear, why not learn some lessons from David in the story? Ask God by His grace to help you, to protect you, to direct your steps. And then celebrate in spite of whatever's going on. Celebrate and worship God for what He's done for you. Please stand. God speaks to you. We invite you to come. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.